You're listening to the Gateway Christian Church Beckley Campus Podcast. To find out more about the church, visit our website at gatewaychurch.net. Let's get into this week's message. I don't know about you all, but have you enjoyed this sermon series? Have you found it helpful at the times that we've been in? Um, Winston Churchill has another quote I thought uh, kind of fits uh, really well with as we wrap up this series today. Uh, to kind of give you an outlook where we're going in the next couple of series as we move uh, close to Easter. Um, next, the next series is called Good News, and so we got some good news to share. Um, and then the one that we're in the middle of Easter is called Who is This Man? And so uh, uh, the teaching team is working hard, uh, putting together some good messages, and our worship team is putting together our services around those messages. But uh, here's what Winston Churchill also had to say. Uh, he's the voice in the background on that video, and it says, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue is what counts. And I feel feel like that's very fitting as we wrap up this sermon series, um, calling us not to give up. You know, and maybe maybe you've had some success, uh, but that's not final. Uh, maybe you're maybe you're going through some failures, but realize it's not fatal. It's the courage that counts. That's what matters. And and you know you think about some of the things that are attributed to what he said during those days of, uh, and the war that they were, the world was in at that time. And, and I think it's very fitting for what's going on in our life. You know, um, there's, there's this, it seems like there's so many ups and downs and, 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 and not only are there ups and downs, but there's so many people that are just struggling with just being blah. I mean, how many of you just feel that way? I mean, had snow last Sunday, snow this Sunday. It never melted all week. You know, I'm okay with snow, but it needs to melt, right? Are you all in agreement to that? Well, I know you think you get out of school more, but you're out of school plenty, right? And so, um, but anyways, I just think, you know, this, this series about not giving up and where we need to be in our walk with God and that we need to realize that God is walking with us. I, before I dismiss the teens over to be with Scotty, I'd like to put the Psalm 73 back up here, and I'd like to just read that as, as a church body, uh, whether you're here in person or uh, at home this morning. Uh, let's just listen uh, to what the Psalm says, and let's follow along as I read it. And this is a Psalm 73, a Psalm of Asaph. We talked about who he was, and listen to what he says in verse 1. He says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens, and they are not plagued by the human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace, and they clothe themselves in violence. For their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations has no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. And that with arrogance, uh, they threaten oppression. Their, their uh, mouths lay claim to heaven with their tongues, take possession of earth. Therefore, uh, their people turn to them and drink up their waters in abundance. They say, how could, how could God know? Does the most high know anything? This is what the wicked are like. They're always carefree. They go along amassing wealth. Surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure and I've washed my hands in innocence. All the day long, I've been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. And if I had spoken out like that, Asaph says, I would have betrayed your children. 
When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by tears. They are like a dream when one awakes, when you arise, Lord. You'll despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered, I was senseless, I was ignorant, I was a brute beast before you. Yet, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you'll take me into your glory. When, when I have, it says this, I'm sorry about that, whom I have in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire but you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is my strength and heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You'll destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. And I will tear that. I will tell of all of your good deeds. Let's pray. Father, as uh, we've listened to your word and hear the words of Asaph and the time that he was living in almost 3,000 years ago, it sounds like he could be writing on Instagram or Facebook right now. And Lord, when we look around our world and the chaos that seems to be involved with it, I just pray, Father, that we will be able to find you um, because you are our strength. You are our God. You are everything that we'll ever need. And, Father, if we can just hold that to our center and and where we are living in your will, that, Father, we will walk with you. So I pray that you will just get me out of the way, fill me with your spirit, bring your message to your people, uh, and may you be glorified through all these things, I pray in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said. Amen. Before the teens are dismissed, Chiefs, who thinks Chiefs are going to win today? Put your hands up. Bucks, where's the Bucks? Okay, all you Tom Brady people, just out. Just out. All right, no, just kidding. All right, all right, teens, you guys can go ahead and take off, Scotty. Hey, just so you know, Peyton Manning got elected in the Hall of Fame today, just so you know. He was, so just throwing that out there for all you Tom Brady people. But anyways, it'll be fun today uh, as well, even with the snow and, and stuff that we have. Um, the Whitakers told me, GW and Teresa said that they're still planning on our Super Bowl gathering. Uh, so we'll look forward to spending some time together um, safely uh, this evening. Uh, another thing, I don't know if you realized, but uh, Friday, uh, Scotty took our teens uh, tubing. I think they went tubing. Had 20 kids out there tubing at Winter Place. And as far as I know, no one went to the hospital, including Scotty. So that's, that's important. So uh, I'm glad that our kids get to spend time together uh, on these kind of crazy days. And so... In this sermon series, if you all remember, we were talking about Asaph and how he was feeling so down about what was going on. I don't know about you all. Do you all like watching the Winter Olympics? I love the Winter Olympics. What's your favorite event in the Winter Olympics? Anyone? Curling? You like the curling? Yeah. Could you see doing that like out in your driveway? It'd be kind of fun. You and Bimbo out there curling a little bit. That was good curling, man. I mean, you've really watched that. Anybody else? Can you demonstrate if you want to do luge or bobsled? <laughs> I like the bobsled I, personally, but I also, I've, as I've got older, I've appreciated figure skating. You know, and my wife is like, "Oh, they're so graceful and stuff." Well, I'm going to be real honest with you. I, I, I catch myself in the internet uh, vacuum. Do you all ever get there? And the next thing you know, about this time of year, is that there's people that are ice skating. 
Well, some of them don't figure skate as well as the, the figure skaters. You know what I'm saying? And I find myself laughing. Does anyone else? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I laugh when I watch some of these people busted. I mean, I mean, head, butt, I mean, all of it. They just, bam, they're down, right? And I, I, is that wrong of me? Maybe it is. But the reason I bring this up is because of Asaph. And every time I read in here, he mentions two times that he was afraid it was slippery and he might fall. And that's all I can think of when I read this, this passage of Scripture. But it's a good analogy for us because I think that we're all feeling like we're sliding and now we're out of control a little bit. And, and, and so what we did was we broke down this psalm in over five weeks, and we asked you to do a five-point turn. And if you remember, it's the first thing we told you in the very first week is, when you're in this kind of despair that Asaph was in, first thing you got to do is stop. You got to stop with the negativity. And if you remember, that very first sermon was the first sermon of the new year uh, right after what took place at the Capitol. You got to stop. You got to stop putting in negativity. Remember what he says in verse 15. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. Asaph realizes, hey, if I was just joining the crowd and going uh, nuts with the crowd. He said, I would have betrayed the, not only myself, but your children, your people, God. And then the following week, we, we asked you to think, spend some time and just stop and think. And remember what Asa said there? He says in verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till, and that word till was a big word. I entered the sanctuary of God and I understood their final destiny. You know, getting close to God kind of puts things in perspective. And after Asaph had stopped, he entered the sanctuary. And in there, the presence of God, his mind began to clear. And a light came on. And, you know, and you would think that you start thinking clearly, what would you do next? And this was the one I think it kind of threw us for a curve when we talked about confession. And then he told us that we should confess. And once Asaph got a refresher course of who God is, of his power and his purity, his holiness and his perfection. Asaph then began to see himself in the light as God sees himself. And we talked a lot about that. The closer you get to God, you realize how many imperfections and, and, and sin that we all carry. And here's the crazy thing. God already knows it anyways. But how freeing it is to be able to tell God really what's going on. And then last week, we started to see, you know, we were in the middle of the turn, and now we're starting to get ourselves turned back around. And we talked about, Asaph came to the point, he had to believe. Verse, if you remember what he says in verse 25, whom I have in heaven but you. Earth has nothing I desire but you. I love that verse 26, there's a song, right? My flesh may fail, right? But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so what we said is that we have God who is in heaven and God who is on earth and God is even beside us, even in death. And we make it through all these seasons of doubt and questioning and frustration and troubling, but we're never alone in this. And that's what Asaph realized when he put his belief and faith in God. And so finally, we made it to our last point in our turn. And it's a word that you're going to be familiar with but it's also going to be a word that I think I'm going to ask you to really think about what it means. Not that you don't understand it, but I think a lot of Christians 
misapply what this word means when it comes to their walk with Jesus. And it's the word commit. Now, here's what Asa says at the very end of the psalm. Remember, those who are far from you will perish. You will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God, and I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. What an incredible journey Asaphus took us through in this psalm. His feet had slipped. He'd almost gave up through in the towel. But by the end of his testimony, he comes back to his commitment to God, but not only to his commitment, but his commitment to what he would tell others about what God has done. The way that the psalm ends is such a great lesson for those who have been discouraged by the way things are going in our world. It's a great reminder for those who have been confused or frustrated, angry, dejected by what they see and what they are witnessing. It's a great encouragement for those who are right where Asaph was at and not throwing in the towel to give up. We experience these seasons in life. How many of y'all been to Camden Park? Anybody ever been to Camden Park? You know that roller coaster? What's the name of the roller coaster up there? Does anybody know it off the top of your head? Uh, the, the Big Dipper, isn't it? Here's the thing. If the Big Dipper is still operating... That should give us all encouragement that we can make it through, right? Because <laughs> that sucker's been there for a few years, right? And I guess what I'm trying to say is why I brought up Camden Park, because it reminds we're going to have highs and lows. We're going to have seasons in our life. And, and, and this has been one season, it's been unique, that usually up until this point in my life, when I go through those, those peaks and valleys, Usually I'm going by myself or maybe just a handful of people. This one, we've all been in the same junk together for over almost a year. And it has made it different. And then you find yourself even more so being the one that tries to have to speak truth in the others because so many people, I'll be honest, have already given up. You know, gym memberships are way down. <laughs> All right. Donut sales are way up. <laughs> Some people have just given up. You understand what I'm saying? And if you know, razor sales are way down. All right. All right. Ladies, it's short season soon. But anyways, I'm just might need chainsaws this year. Anyways, back to the sermon. My point, I'm just saying, I think a lot of people have just given up. And then and we're all in this together. And I really think this is a great time for Christ followers to be able to point people and remind them that God is still good. Amen? So when we come out of a series that don't give up, it's probably good that we go into a series of good news so now we can go and tell people that we do have good news. But how do you keep, how do you, when you make your turn, how do you just go down this path without turning back? Two things I want to point out what Asaph said. Very last verse, he says, but as for me, it is good to be near God, and I made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of your deeds. So here's the two points this morning. Draw near to God and tell his story. That's how you know that you're staying on the path. You know, Brother James in James chapter 4, verse 8, this is not on the slides here, but here's what he says. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. It's not that God moves. <laughs> it's us wandering around aimlessly sometimes. 
Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then tell of his story. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. And this is where I think we get messed up on the word commit. Because when you see the word commit, you, you ultimately think, well, this is something I need to do, or I need to do more of. And don't get me wrong, drawing near to God and doing evangelism or telling his story, that's exactly what we need to be doing. But if I were being honest, most of us would say, well, he's going to tell me I need to read more, I need to pray more, I need to give more, I need to serve more, I need to do all this stuff. And that list becomes overwhelming, and you're like, then you're back to point one. Your kids, my kids, have a term. I don't know if you've heard this term. Patrick will help us define this term. I'm going to put Patrick on the spot today. I'm looking around the youngest one here. Don't worry, Patrick. You're going to be just fine. I won't set you up for failure. But the kids have a term. It's called a try-hard. <laughs> you know what a try-hard is, Patrick? Enlighten us what a try-hard is. <laughs> yes, thanks for being. But boy, they're trying hard. You're right. They're all the first ones in the gym. Uh-huh. And then not to try hard. That try hard has already got it done, right? It's got it printed out in four multi-pay. That's a pretty good definition. See, I told you Patrick would know, right? There's a there's a major problem when you're in your walk with Jesus that you feel like you can try harder to be a better Christian. Let me tell you a little bit about that. You see, the trap is this. It was after all these experiences of worship and understanding that Asaph made the confession of faith. Think about it. He went through, I mean, 27 verses before he got there. And you know what he came to his understanding? Then he announced where his commitment lay. It's not in the fact that he's trying harder. And hear me when I say this. Faith comes before commitment. Commitment doesn't produce faith. We can't earn God's favor. We can't be good enough. We can't stop cussing enough. (laughs) We can't be better on social media and think that somehow that God... He, he, he will approve of that, but that's not going to earn you his favor or his salvation. Ephesians 2.8 says it this way, friends, listen. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So see, Patrick, the tryhard would, would want to try to work for salvation, try to pay back Jesus for what Jesus has done for them. What are you saying, Russ? Well, just listen to me. This seems so counterintuitive, though. It seems backward, doesn't it? I mean, if we were taught in our world that you had to earn things, right? Didn't your parents teach you that? Love is conditional, and you strive to work to earn good things. But here, we're seeing that God's grace is undeserved merit, that our salvation doesn't come from being good enough or doing certain religious obligations. In fact, faith is the gift of God. So what Paul's saying in Philippians, and Peter says in 2 Peter 2.11, listen to what Peter says. He says, 
that faith is given through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a gift that God has given us so that we can have faith in him. It's not based on our own righteousness. Thank God that it's not based on our own righteousness because none of us are righteous on our own. So, and here's the one I want you to take home with you today. Don't grow your faith by your commitment. You grow your commitment by your faith. Let me, let's say that together. You don't grow your faith by your commitment. You grow your commitment by your faith. For example, um, I've been in places in, 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 in the church, in different churches throughout America, in Indiana and West Virginia in particular, and ministry. And I've heard this multiple places. It says, every children's ministry needs more volunteers. You realize that? <laughs> help one. And they just might as well have a help one and sign in every children's ministry everywhere in America. All right? But I've heard this said. If you ask this person to help, they will get more faithful at church. So I said, and I've said in these meetings, I've heard this from multiple people say, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why you come. <laughs> I said, really? That's why we have people to come. And in fact, we're going to get them to come more if they have something to do. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. It's backwards, friends. We serve out of an abundance of our faith. We don't earn salvation. We can't force people to work harder or try harder. So faith is a gift that we can't earn by our commitment. And how does it come to us? Well, here's how it comes according to the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And we know that the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the word to convict us so that we are receptive to the gospel of faith. I mean, that's what Karen prayed for this morning. Soften our hearts so that we can hear what you have to say to us. In John 16, when Jesus uh, was about to send uh, the spirit into the world, he says, when he comes, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, he will prove uh, the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit does the job of convicting of the work inside of us. The Spirit applies the truth of God in the minds and the hearts of people to convince them that they are sinners. Jesus would go on to say this in verse 13. He says, but when the Spirit, but when, when, when He, the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit points us to truth and we are to understand revealing the need of the Savior in our lives. So if you want more faith, it's not about trying harder. It's not about giving more, reading more, praying more, serving more, or those, those are all byproducts of our faith. If you want more faith, draw closer to God. Listen to what God says. Be still. Worship. Those are the ways that your faith will grow. But trying to serve and, and to earn and show God, that, hey, I'm really committed to this. Well, I think you know where, how this ends. If you want to find your way out of discouragement and despair, just come to Jesus. 
draw near to him. Then watch your commitment grow by leaps and bounds. It doesn't work the other way. And you hear people say this. One that are, that are maybe not worshiping regular. Well, they will tell you. You say that you go to worship. Well, I need to get back into church. You see what they're saying? Well, if I change my behaviors and my patterns and my commitments, then my faith will grow. No, your faith grows out of because you know Jesus. And then your commitments follow that. You know, I've been in ministry for quite some time. I was ordained in 1997. I just realized this morning that 30 years ago today was when we were in the Iraq uh, Persian Gulf War. And that happened nine days before the Super Bowl. Do you all remember that? And there was questions of whether they were even going to have the Super Bowl. And you remember who came out and sung the national anthem that year? Whitney Houston. Do you remember her singing the national? I get look, Whitney gives him goosebumps on. I, no, no offense, babe. I mean, I still remember. Not that I, anyways, I just going back to her song, Tanya. But I do get goosebumps thinking about when she sang the national anthem. Do you remember that? It was the Bills and Giants. Both teams are red, blue, and white. I mean, everybody had their flags. I remember it because it was the moment that we're in. I mean, I remember that's the first time as a, as a young person. I was 14 at that time, 30 years ago. I remember watching war on TV, and it wasn't a video game. Do you remember that? Those, 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 uh, I understood what a Scud missile was and what a Patriot missile did and how, how they would destroy those things above so people wouldn't die. And I thought about our military. That's the first time I can remember as a young person thinking about our country and our nation and, and being a Patriot and, 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 and Army guys and all, those, and all those things started forming in my mind. So Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, burdened, I'll give you rest. And I'll tell you that there are people who come into my office, my home, when we're sitting down having a cup of coffee, and they will tell me about the struggle that they're in, whether it's in their marriage or it's with their friend or it's an addiction that they have. And many times I've heard them repeat almost the same thing to me, that they believe that they've been forgiven, but why are they still dealing with the guilt and shame? And for many, the temptation is, what can I do to get rid of this guilt and shame? How can I make up for this? And, and, and I'm sitting here thinking the whole time, these if statements start coming up in their minds, like, if I love you, you'll do this. If I forgive you, you will do this. If I will help you, I will do this. And it's so hard for people to understand the unconditional love of God. And the reason I bring up Whitney Houston is because I can remember as a child saying the pledge, singing a national anthem, but none of it ever really made sense until Whitney sung it at the Super Bowl. And I think it's the same thing with our walk with Jesus. Is that you don't really truly understand and appreciate what Jesus has done, has done for all of us until you've been to the point of guilt and despair and shame, and then you realize that this love that God is talking about is something you can't earn, you you don't deserve, you can't pay for, you can't tell him, I'm sorry enough, 
You can't try harder. And in fact, Romans chapter 5 says it this way, and it's just the first eight verses, and listen to what God says. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, not our good works, through faith, he says, we have the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have been gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast the in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in his sufferings, or in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and this hope does not put us to shame. Did you hear the end of that? Hope does not put us into shame. Some translations actually translate, hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured out into your hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom you have been given for us. You see, just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see that? There's not enough perfume, <laughs> cologne, makeup. There's not enough squats. There's not enough carrots and broccoli that you can eat to ever be good enough. You can't pay God back for what he's done for you. And so that's what I'm asking yourself to commit to. Commit to your faith. And out of that will come greater levels of commitment. You will see yourself walking closer with God. You will start seeing people the way God sees them, not as people who are out of their mind and crazy and judgmental and what's wrong with everybody. You won't see them what political party they are as a Democrat or a Republican or whatever is in the middle or the different parties. You won't see them as someone who struggles in their sins of addiction or in their sins of sexual immorality. You know what you'll start seeing people as? that God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not for them, not for them when you're self-righteous thinking you're better than everybody else, but for us because you're included in that group. Then you'll see the person as God sees them, with love and compassion, even someone you disagree with. Do you remember the story? in Luke 10, about two sisters, one named Martha and one named Mary. And the story goes that Martha was busy trying to make all the preparations. And Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, adoring him. When Martha came and complained about her sister's lack of help, here's what Jesus said in verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are ever needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen the better, and it won't be taken away from her. So don't get busy trying harder that you miss the God moments. Don't miss Jesus. He is better, and he won't be taken from you. 
Don't give up on Jesus because he won't give up on you. So our commitment to Christ is to put our full trust and faith into Jesus. There's no other way around, friends. There's no other way to do this. Man has tried for generations, men and women have tried for generations to make themselves to be right with God. But there's only one way to do it. Jesus didn't say that he was a way, a truth to the Father. He says, I am the way. Well, here's what I want you to do this week, all right? Our little uh, barcode, that's not barcode. What's that called? QR code? You know, I just dated myself, barcode there. You know, it's kind of like talking to your kids about downloading a CD. I mean, how many of you all still have like your own mixed CDs or mixed tapes? Anybody got mixed tapes? Anybody dating? You got a mixed tape still? Oh my gosh, I'm sure you do. That's awesome. You're so cool. I'm I'm sure I can tell you who's all on it too. (laughs) But you know, our kids will never understand that with Spotify and stuff like that. So back to the barcode, QR codes, or here's the even old schooler, pencil paper and a piece of paper and a pencil. I want you to do. I want you to do this this week. Even if you pull out your phones and put it on your notes. Sometime this week, I want you to write this out. My feet almost slipped because dot dot dot. My feet almost slipped because. And I want you to fill in the blank. Be honest. Write down your your frustrations, your struggles, your. Be specific. Trust God. Because listen to me, God is big enough to handle all your complaints. Even if they're directed at him. So sometime this week, I want you to write down, my feet almost slipped because. Then, here's your second heading I want you to write down. God taught me that, dot, dot, dot. And try to share what God has taught you during this time. Maybe you need to spend more time with him. Maybe you need to figure this one out. I don't know. But you will draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's the promise of James chapter 4 verse 8. So this would be a good exercise. And I think it would be a good exercise for you to write this down and then hold on to it and look back in four, four weeks. Look back in three months. Look back in six months and see how your commitment and your walk with Jesus is going. Then I want you to write down the third heading. I confess that I was dot, 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 dot. Remember, confession is good for the soul. You aren't telling God anything he doesn't already know. (laughs) But you need to acknowledge it for yourself so that you have hope of healing. And finally, this morning, this is the last one I want you to write down. Because of this experience and whatever it was with you and God, as for Asif, I believe that. What is it that you believe? What in this experience has solidified your claim of your faith and your belief about God? Because of this experience, I believe that God is what? Always faithful. Because of this experience, I believe that God is good. Because of this experience, I believe that God is near to me even when I can't see him. And if you want to take a picture, I see some of you taking a picture of that so you didn't have to write all that down. That's fine. That, that works too. But I think this is a good little checkup to do every so often because, listen, it may not be the coronavirus. It may not be whatever is going on with everyone. But it will be one day when the doctor calls and says, 
hey, I need you to come in. Your scan didn't come out so good. Or maybe one day you get a call and says, hey, we're going to have to cut your, your job position. Or you may get a call one day and say, hey, I got bad news. Your grandpa had a massive heart attack last night. Or it may, and then you say, well, man, Russ, these are all bad things. I want to be encouraged when I go to church. I'm just being real with you all. This is life. And here's the great thing about Jesus. He'll be with you on the Big Dipper (laughs) at the top of the roller coaster, and he'll be down with you in the lowest of valleys. Even if that's you calling somebody that you love and trust at 2 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, I've had too much to drink. Can you come get me? Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. We can't earn it. We can't try harder. We just need to draw near to him. You know, and Asaph ends his psalm with this, verse 28. We'll wrap all this up. But as for me, it is good to be near God. How many of us should be able to say that today? But as for me, it's good to be near God. It's one of the things that, you know, I'm glad that we have technology to be able to help people to have worship when the roads are bad or, you know, they're not comfortable with the virus or whatever is going on. But man, there is something to be said about being able to go to church and being around the presence of God with others that are aligning their belief and faith is the same. Isn't there? And I mean, people at home, I, I get it. You know, this, is not, this is not me trying to guilt you to be in, in worship, but I'm just saying the very core of who we are as Christ followers is to be able to come on the first day of the week, on the day that we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord, the day that we meet around his table, the day that we can bring our gifts and our offerings out of our faith and our commitment to God. It's the day that we sing his praises. It's the day that we get to affirm who God is. Wouldn't it be great if Asaph, what he said would be what we say? And so it's good to be drawing near to God. And then notice what he also says. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. How many of you all, when you find something good to eat, you tell others? I, I, I do it all the time. Brian Dillon, our executive minister now, he used to be the student minister at Taze Valley, started his new role this year. He texted me this morning and said, hey, Russ, how are the roads down here? Uh, I was, me and the family were going to pack up and head down to Beckley this morning. He wants to kind of visit all the campuses. I said, man, you're more than welcome to come on down. I said, I'm sure the turnpike will be clear by the time you get here and probably the main road out here. But I said, we have a lot of snow. And, uh, and I bring up Brian to you because about three weeks ago, I, I kind of known for this. And Taylor and Karen will back this up. I'm kind of the guy in our staff that when we have like a staff retreat, what did I bring? When we had staff retreat over at Oak Hill, cinnamon rolls, donuts. I'm always bring, I'm bringing something good to eat. All right, you can count on the fat guy to bring the good good food. That's what I'm trying to say, right? Well, I found out that Brian Dillon likes cheesecake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so who doesn't, right? And and uh, he wants me to bring him a slice of cheesecake from Busy Bee. All right, yes. Yeah, see, see. I know, I've just made your all's day. Now it's all you're thinking about. I guarantee you'll have cheesecake in the next day or two if you like it. 
And I, and, and, and I told Brian this morning, I said, man, come on down. But I said, I promise you this. I said, I'll bring you Tuesday, because we have a staff meeting on Tuesday, I'll bring you cheesecake, because you weren't coming just to see us. You were coming for cheesecake, because I told you about it. Now, the reason I tell you that, if it's that easy for me to tell someone about something I found that's really good to eat, how much easier should it be for me to tell someone about God's good deeds, what he's done through Jesus? I mean, we do it all the time, right? We find something, oh, have you had this latte at Starbucks? Have you had this at that? Did you try those new shoes? Have you seen the new hair stuff you put in your hair? I don't know why they even sell that stuff. But I mean, have you tried this? Have you tried that? I mean, we, are, we do this all the time with anything that we find that is good, don't we? Oh, have you seen the new earrings? Oh, I haven't. But do we do that with Jesus? I mean, I, again, this is not a guilt trip. But how much time did we spend to talk to and say, hey, let me tell you what the Lord has done for us. I mean, through all of what we're going through and what has happened in the past year, I think almost we've made it easier for people to say that they have a relationship with Jesus But Jesus says it this way. It's, he doesn't say how you'll recognize his disciples by what they say. You'll recognize their, his disciples by what they do. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. And that fruit is really faith. For me, I used to think early in my Christian walk that that was, well, look how much I'm serving. Look, I'm a greeter at the church. Look, I do this. Look, I do that. Look, I... No. It's your faith. And that will step up your commitment. You want to draw near to God? Listen. Be still. Worship. And then when you realize who He is and that He is everything, I promise you your commitment will follow. You pray with me. God in heaven, I thank you. I thank you that we have this precious time. That we can strip away everything in our week. And we can break it all down and get back to what really, really ultimately matters. What we tell everybody that matters the most. And God, I don't want us to always be the people that are trying so hard that we miss the most important part, that we'd miss Jesus. Man, Mary and Martha's story, it's awful close to home. And so, Lord, we're getting ready to enter a time of communion right now, and I pray that we're more like Mary than we are Martha. I pray that when we go and we take the emblems that represent the body and the blood that was given for us, I pray we don't do it like Martha, just to do it as, hey, here I am. God, I'm doing this because you told me to do it. I pray we're more like Mary as we hold those emblems and we think how good it is to be with Jesus. And God, I pray that we don't only do that during communion, 
but that, Father, we would do that each and every day. And, man, it is good to be with Jesus. Let me tell you how good he is. So I pray for our decision time today. That we don't give up. But also we don't fall into the trap of trying harder. We just draw near to God. It's my prayer in Jesus' name and all God's people said.